Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that we have in our hands and we have the freedom to read it and hear it preached this morning. We ask that in our weakness you give us your strength. In our confusion you give us clarity through your word and truth. Speak to us, Lord, and encourage your people this morning. Amen. I'll be seated. Well, before I start, I want to ask you a few questions leading into the passage we just read. When was the last time you had to work under intimidation and ridicule? When was the last time you were doing something right and you were discouraged in the process? When was the last time you were ready to throw in a towel? Some of us maybe it wasn't that far. Maybe it was this week. You've done enough good. Nobody sees it as good. You're ready to quit. Well, I think it's Nehemiah's aim, it'll be my aim, is in this, working through this passage, is to encourage the troubled people and discourage people to have a mind to work by reminding you about the Lord. Um, I have a short preposition this morning. And it is this, if you want to fill in the blank, is that God's people must have a heart to pray, a mind to work, and an eye to watch. God's people must have a heart to pray, a mind to work, and an eye to watch. We'll break it down to three structure uh, passages. First one will be... uh, Dealing with opposition, 1 through 9, then dealing with discouragement, 10 through 14, and dealing with the workload and threat, and 15 to 23. In the year 1937, Golden Gate Bridge was the longest suspension bridge in the world. During the first phase of this project, 23 men fell to their death to the icy waters below. Uh, things were getting going from bad to worse, and... Those who were working on it stopped halfway through it and rethinked um, how they can improve the situation and had to make some changes. They recognized and built the largest net ever made, attached it under the area where the men were working, and you might ask the question, was it worth it? Well, ask the ten men who fell into it and were not injured. Not only did it save those men's lives, it was said that the work was completed in three-fourths the time it was supposed to be done because the workers no longer feared of falling. Well, God's protection, net of protection and care for his people is always there for us. We don't have to doubt that. We can rest assured that God will and does protect his people And based on that insurance, on his covenant, that he is covenant-keeping God, we can then have a heart to pray, mind to work, and an eye to watch. Going back to chapter 3, just to review, we last Sunday heard extensive list of lists of names and the gates that were being built. So the work has already begun. It's doing good. 
And now in chapter 4, we will deal with opposition, discouragement, and threats. And then leading into next Sunday, we'll deal with internal problems. And for some of us, uh, we are better dealing with external problems, with the pressure from the outside. And uh, some of us are the opposite. We are better dealing with the inside problems. We settle problems in the family quickly and move on, but we have difficulty with the outside. So today is more of an outside pressure and opposition. Um, first sub-point we have is a ridicule from the enemy, verses 1 to 3. Uh, read with me now the Sam Ballad. When he heard that they were building the wall and he was angry and greatly enraged at the, and he jeered at the Jews. He said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn at once at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Well, this opposition and ridicule should not be new to us. The scripture is filled with people of God who are doing the work of God, who are opposed. And in church history also, we read, and I'm sure you've heard many stories, how the church, doing the work of God, was opposed. In some cases, persecuted, even killed. shouldn't be a surprising concept to us that when you're doing the work for the Lord, you will be opposed Jesus himself said that blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness sake. He also told his disciples that if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Sam Ballot um, is an influential man. We can't ignore what he is doing. Although his accusation and ridicule with his uh, nice friend Tobiah is rather silly. <laughs> he says if a fox goes up and the wall will fall, a stone wall will fall. Really? Archaeological finds tell us that the wall was at least nine feet deep and in thickness, meaning. I'm pretty sure a fox will not destroy that wall, even if it's halfway to its height. But what is he doing? He's taunting him. He's making fun of him. And the people that are doing, if he can't um, stop them from doing what he did before, he's going to make fun of them and ridicule them. And there is some truth to that. We'll get to what he's saying. But what does Nehemiah do in reply? What is his response? He has a response, prayerful response, verse 4 and 5. He prays, hear, O God. For we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. You might have an objection to this prayer as I have when I was preparing for this message. Uh, it seems rather 
strange because we are familiar with the teaching of Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus taught us to pray where we are to forgive our enemies and pray for them. He himself on the cross prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen, the first martyr, also echoed that. In his death, falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. Nehemiah is praying, Oh God, hold their sin against them. In Old Testament, prayers like this were more common. Psalm 59, if you want to look it up. Psalm 137. But what we see is that there is no sign of personal vengeance or anger in the situation. Instead, what Nehemiah prays for is for God to defend his name and for God to do what is just and right. It wasn't about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not praying about Nehemiah per se. He's he's praying about God to defend what God is doing through this situation. So it's not that Nehemiah is angry in the response and God wants his, his enemy to be destroyed. No. He says clearly in verse 5, they have provoked you to anger, not us. So it is just for him to pray that way. It is just for us to pray for God to do justice in this world. But he doesn't tell us to take justice in our own hands. For the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. We see a good approach and reaction in the New Testament of the church also in this manner. When they were oppressed in in Acts 12, when Herod killed James and realized that Jews liked it, he proceeded to and arrested Peter. In uh, Acts 12, 5, we read that, Peter was kept in prison, but the earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Regardless of what the position is, we ought to pray and and do what is right before God. Now, the real temptation in a moment like this is to give up. Maybe the numbers in church are declining, or maybe people are not giving well. Maybe take your own life. Maybe your budget is much lower this month. And you're not sure if you're going to have enough money next month to pay your bills. And you have to make cuts. What do you do when you didn't get that promotion that you were preparing and hoping for? What do you do when you raise your children in the way of the Lord and they rebel? What do you do when your children and you or yourself are made fun of because you're a Christian and you believe in God? And you believe in God's design for marriage and family. Do you pray? Honestly. What is our first reaction? If you're like me, my first reaction is throw a pity party. To huff and puff. To gather all the people who think like me. So we all mourn the same way. Oh, how terrible the world is. Can't they understand that this is only going to turn out worse than we think? That's not Nehemiah. His first reaction is to pray and continue doing what is right. God's people must have a heart to pray. And second, a mind to work. Verse 6, so we built a wall 
And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. This is a very critical and crucial point in the building of the wall. Half height. We all can relate. I'm sure we all took on projects, endeavors in our life. We're all fired up and excited to clean the room, to re- remodel the house or whatever it is. We're doing great and we're going to a halfway point and we're all... Why did we ever start on this project? You know, it wasn't a great idea after all. We're discouraged because the work is heavy and there's still a lot to do. This is exactly where they're at. Um, it's not easy for them to pre- continue, especially with the continual taunting and intimidation from the enemy. But I want to ask the question, how is it that they had mind to work because I want to have a mind to work because at work things get crazy and if you're a Christian you want to do your faithful walk you realize that there are many and plenty people who are lazy and do one of the minimum amount of work just to don't not to get in trouble and not to get fired so how do you have mind to work in that situation well the answer is in verse 4 it's in the prayer Hear, O God, for we are despised. They had mind to work because they looked to God, and God answered their prayer. The answer is in verse 6. What they did not do is they did not try to fire themselves up, encourage themselves up by positive encouragement and talk. They were not looking at the glass halfway full. I remember the first time I heard it here in the States when we came here, this illustration of glass halfway full, halfway empty. It's all a matter of perspective, how you look at the glass. And I'm thinking, hmm, I'm trying to figure out, process it, halfway full. Isn't the other halfway still empty? Some Supposedly some deep stuff there and people are encouraged and they say that to each other. Prasang, look at the way that it's halfway full. It's not as bad. Well, this positive talk is really empty. It never encouraged me. I'm sorry if it did you. That's great. It never encouraged me. I, that's why I don't look at glass. That's why I didn't bring glass over here halfway full today. But what I didn't bring... And we bring every Sunday, you know what we bring, is the Word. As Christians, we don't look at the glass halfway full, we look at God's Word. We look at God, and we're encouraged in the Word that we hear, and God answers prayers. And that's why people had mind to work. God is our refuge and strength, a very present time of help. You keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because He trusts in you. So don't stare at glass halfway full. Stare at God and His Word and be encouraged. Don't lose your mind over the things they have to deal with. Look at God and be encouraged and persevere. Have mind to work. And uh, the next up point we have here is uh, intimidation from the enemy. Verse 7 and 8. Symbol. Sanballat and Tobiah, those two great guys. 
And the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem were going forward, and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, and they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause confusion in it. First, it was just ridicule, making fun of it. Uh, They're not making fun of it right now. Uh, They are planning to come and fight them and kill them. And they have some power to do so. Uh, Sanballat and Tobiah, they were influential people and influential in evil ways. They already had army on their side. Uh, Nehemiah, although he had some protection from the king, but he didn't have a whole army with him. So this threat is real and intimidating. And notice how united they were. It's just so easy to unite people to do evil. They united and they all came together. It's like they all had the same thing in mind. And the enemy loves it when we are discouraged and we want to let down our God in the midst of what they're planning to do. But, as I've stated in the beginning, God's people must have a heart to pray, mind to work, and an eye to watch. Jesus said in the New Testament, in the Gethsemane, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is exactly what Nehemiah does here. He leads his people not only in prayer, but he leads his people in setting up guards and protection. Uh, Nehemiah also notice who's praying here. Nehemiah already, from chapter 1 and on, he was praying, and he prayed long enough for his people. He led his prayer, people in prayer, and look who's praying now. Verse 9, and we prayed to our God and set guard against as a protection against them day and night. He trained his people to pray, and now they're all praying. They already have the mind to work, heart to pray, and they're also setting up guards. Uh, We'll look over that in a few moments, how exactly they're doing that. And now we're on to the second heading now, dealing with the discouragement. Um, Partially inside, partially outside. And Judah... It was said, Judah, that's where they live, and this is their people are saying. This is Jews are saying this. The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. So they are... Uh, there's a discouragement from the inside. It's bad enough that they're being taunted and intimidated from the outside. People are inside already saying, oh, this is not a great idea. And they're calling them, come back, return to us. The Jews are saying, just quit. Uh, it's not worth you dying. Just come back home. We'll be done. This is not what we do. That's not what they do. Uh, Jack Canfield tells a wonderful story when he was driving home one day. He says, I stopped to watch a local uh, Little League baseball game uh, that was being played in the park next to my house. As I sat down behind the bench, 
on the first baseline, I asked one of the boys what the score was. We're behind 12 to nothing, he answered with a smile. Really, I said. I have to say, you do not look very discouraged. Discouraged? The boy asked in puzzled look on his face. Why should I be discouraged? We haven't been up, up to bat yet. Um, sometimes the perspective does matter. We need to be informed what, what is really going on. But Martin Luther said, and we've heard it said before, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in, in your hair. Even the strongest Christian can feel sometimes weak, facing discouragement. There's immediate threat. There's a threat where they can be killed and die. Another discouragement is from within, from your own people. It's like you're doing the right thing in your family, among your relatives, and at the same time, by your own people, you are discouraged from doing the right thing. And there's some truth in the discouragement and some truth in the intimidation. They were feeble. They weren't all that powerful. These people were not soldiers. They weren't trained to defend. But the enemy does want to draw our attention only through that, that we are weak and feeble and draw us away from having our faith in God. But what, does, what do they do? Um, 13 and 14. Nehemiah... Uh, leads his people to set up guards. This is strategic. I stationed people by their clans with their swords and spears and bows. I looked and rose and said to the nobles, officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah leads his people not only in prayer, but in setting up things and barriers and protection so they feel safer. And he calls them to remember the Lord. He doesn't want them to be discouraged. Paul, writing to Corinthians, says, but Therefore, having the ministry by the mercy of God, do not lose heart. Jesus, in teaching us how to pray in Luke 18, in the introduction to the parable, says that we ought to Always pray and not lose heart. In Thessalonians, Paul says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Nehemiah says, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord and act upon it. Remember the Lord and be ready to fight. Remember and be ready to defend your family and your people. This is just and right thing to do. While there's uh, much description, especially in chapter 3, about the rebuilding of the wall, we see rebuilding of the wall here, but in chapter 4 we see more of a rebuilding of the people, which is the theme of, of Nehemiah, God restoring his people and rebuilding, uh, restoring his people to himself. And what does it look like? It looks messy. Intimidation from the outside, discouragement from your own people. Is this God, how God restores his people? Yes. And this is how he restores you and me. It looks messy at times, but God is at work. And Nehemiah calls his people, remember the Lord. Don't lose sight of him. 
There's much more going on than just the wall. Remember the Lord. And last subheading is dealing with the workload. Dealing with the workload and thread. God answered their prayer. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God frustrated their plan, we all returned to the, war, to the wall and to his work. Who frustrated their plans? God did. How he did it, we don't know. Maybe it was part of the, what they were doing and they were continuing and persevering in the midst of opposition. And maybe through that God frustrated their plans. We don't know. But God answered their prayer. And we need to be encouraged in that. God frustrated their plan. And we need to focus on that God does that, that we don't do that. Um, many times at work, I've been tempted to frustrate other people. So they have done so to me but especially when there's no wrong that you did but I've prayed for the people for sometimes months in hopes that God will change their minds and God is able to change their hearts without you messing around without you sinning you don't have to sin to be to do to get things right Leave it to God, and God will deal with the situation right. God answered the prayer, and then on, we have more description of what they did. From that day on, 16, half of my workers worked in the construction, half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were building the wall, who carried burdens, were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work, with one hand held his weapon, with the other he worked. Each builder and each of the builders had his sword strapped on his side while he built. And the man who sounded the trumpet beside me, and I said to the nobles and officials, the rest of the people, work is great and widely spread, and we are spread it on the wall, far from each other. And the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we labored at work, and half of them held spears and from the break of the dawn until the stars came out. And I said to the people at the time, let every man, his servant, pass the night with Jerusalem, that they may guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand wow not only were they intimidated discouraged at first but through the leading and the praying nehemiah and the people god answers their prayers and now they have to adjust to their situation many times we have to do just that in our life too when our situation changes, we need to be flexible and adjust. When God is leading us a different way, to do things a different way. Half of them weren't even working anymore. They were only stations of guards and ready to fight. 
and the rest of them also were ready to fight. Each one had his sword. So not only they were working, but they were ready to fight. But there were not much of them. So Nehemiah made a plan that if there's an attack, I have a guy next to me who will blow the trumpet. We all gather there and fight together. Amazing what God is doing in the midst of his people. He's restoring them. He's bringing them together. They're far apart. Now we will come together. I have a guy next to me who will blow on the trumpet. We come together. We'll do what we can. But our God will fight for us. They did not win this battle on their own, but they were ready to do everything in their power to do so. This is how David prayed. For you have armed me with strength for battle. 2 Samuel 22. 2 Chronicles. Uh, Jezreel, prophet of the Lord, uh, tells his people word from the Lord. And God tells, do not be afraid of the enemy. Do not be dismayed at the great horde. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. Our God will fight for us. As I close, before the closing thoughts, I want to take a look at what I would call the gospel windows in the wall. Take a look at verse 4. Hear, O God, for we are despised. In Isaiah 53, we read that extensive description of prophet Isaiah of the Lord Jesus Christ, prophetic word and fulfilled word in Jesus Christ that he was despised and rejected by men, men of sores acquainted with grief, and as one with whom men hided their faces, he was despised, and we seemed him not. The cry in Nehemiah of despise is ultimately heard and bore by Jesus on the cross who was ultimately despised for all sin, for sins of the whole world. How heavy was that despising? We read in verse 20 that our God will fight for us. In Ephesians 6, we read, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That you may be able to stand. We're not doing the fight. Our God will fight for us. But our God wants us to stand. And he wants us to put on the whole armor of God. This is what Nehemiah led his people to do. And this is what we ought to do also. God's people must have a heart to pray, mind to work, I to watch, being ready to act. Some closing thoughts and questions. Have you been neglecting your prayer life? Are you more quick to throw a pity party than you are to blow the trumpet so that your friends gather together and you pray together and you fight in prayer? Do you have a mind to work And how is it that you have your mind to work? Is it informed and encouraged by the word? And is there an area in your life where you need to set up some guards? Well, 
What the man on the Golden Gate Bridge needed was protection and security. They needed to be, feel safe that if they fall, they won't fall to their death. God provides that protection for us. As we have learned multiple times already through the book of Nehemiah, that God is a covenant-keeping God, and He is faithful God, and He calls us to be faithful on, in our covenant with Him, to pray, to work, and to watch. I want to close with just this last verse, verse 14. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are privileged to have your word in our midst. Thank you for the encouragement that is in your word. Help us hold on onto it. In this crazy world where it's easy for us to lose our mind, easy to be discouraged, help us to press on. Help us to pray through our troubles, everyday stuff. Help us to have those short prayers like Nehemiah had throughout the day, trusting and leaning on your strength to, for you to provide us strength. And you do that. Help us to have a mind that is not discouraged in the midst of all that we face and we hear and we will continue to hear on our news. Help our mind to be focused on you, on your word, and to be informed how to act, how to behave, so that we would represent you well in this day and age. We thank you for your kind words this morning. Amen.